Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Ideas Don't Bleed, a comics podcast presented by Ashcan Press and featuring Matthew Rosenberg and the Supple Boys, Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan. Matthew Rosenberg, are you are you delighted to be doing a podcast this week? I am delighted. Uh, I will say that right before we started, it has become clear <laughs> that it's perhaps, although I bought a microphone to do this show i emailed you guys and said what do i need to get and you said a hundred years ago and i bought yeah. it yeah and i uh, you yeah. know it's not cheap it was like mm-hmm. you know 20 grand or something right. maybe less i don't remember oh, and i bought it remember. it was a lot it was a lot it was more than a car and <laughs> i plug it in every week i put it away in its box i take good care of it because i'm mm-hmm. fucking diligent and it has become clear in the pre-taping of this episode that it's possible that I never turn the settings on to use it. So although it's plugged in and it has a red light, it doesn't actually record. And that's why I've sounded bad on every episode yeah. of the podcast so far. So in a way, this is our actual first episode of the show. We're doing yeah, a awesome. do-over, a hard reboot, and we wanted to make the first episode special. And we wanted a very special guest for that. And I think we nailed it. On this, the new reboot, all new, all different, Ideas Don't Bleed. Oh, shit. Yeah, I called it out. Uh, Or Ideas Don't Bleed Rebirth, if you want to go that way. Dawn of Ideas Don't Bleed. Dawn of Ideas Don't Bleed. Hmm. Uh, Uh, Ideas Don't Bleed Now. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah, yeah. That was one, too. Yeah, now. Point one? (laughs) Point J dot K. (laughs) Uh, We have a very special guest today. Mr. Jed McKay is with us. Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to be here for uh, for giant sized uh, ideas. Don't bleed. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, you know that's a giant size is just the it refers to the audio. The size of the podcast will be the same, <laughs> but the audio is bigger. I'm going Chris to say Bert. it's Christopher. I'm going to say right now that uh, I don't think people hearing my voice more clearly will be beneficial to the podcast. I think you literally sound different. Like you are the tone of your voice. Like more, it seems like it's come down an octave almost. more nasally. Oh, d- down an octave sounds good. Yeah, mm-hmm. sexy. All right. Yeah, it's got a new. You can really do the NPR voice now. Yeah, Fuck. that was my goal. I was wondering why they weren't calling me. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, now I, I know. I think this is going to usher like a whole new kind of parasocial audience uh, phenomenon for you. Oh, I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I've yeah. I've been saying for a long time that I want that I don't understand why I'm not the Ira Glass of comics podcasts and mm. now I know I actually have um it's not hanging up but I have a, a this American Life NPR um X-Men poster no oh, that's pretty okay. nice it's a it's a James Asmus written there's a panel of Wolverine and Nightcrawler in a car and they're listening to this American Life <laughs> on the radio and it's I believe it's James Asmus and Mike Allred from a panel of some x-men book and and this american life made it as a limited edition poster and i'm a fan of the show and i bought it so 
this has been a long time coming because I bought that poster and I was like, that should be me. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited to be here at the ground floor uh, of your metamorphosis into Ira Glass of Comics. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The Ira Glass of mm-hmm. Comic Books, I'm here. I'm excited to have you here, Jed, because you are the busiest man in comics, <laughs> the, the most prolific. Um, I was talking to some people last night who referred to you as a gem, which I agreed oh. with wholeheartedly. Gem, Jed the yeah. gem? I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to turn it down. No, why would you? <laughs> Unless you I think mean, you could do better. <laughs> I mean, you know, better than the holograms. I guess that's the misfits. But like, it's, you know, yeah, they're better. <laughs> that was very confusing to me as a child because I knew the misfits as an actual sure. band. And then I was like, what is the connection between the cartoon and the band of burly dudes with face paint on? And I, I for a long time, was sure that there was some kind of connection I wasn't understanding. I was a confused little boy. Yeah, yeah. See that I, I didn't know about the Misfits until much later. I mean, which Misfits? Wife, the 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 band, like the, the, the real the, band, the, the real Misfits, yeah. the humans. Yeah, they, well, I mean, um, <laughs> the humanoids. Yeah, because I mean, like you know, I I, I run into Gem and the Holograms when I was in like the first grade in like nineteen ninety nine. You know, so yeah, uh, it was a little early for me to you know learn uh learn what was going on in like Lodi, new jersey at that point in time <laughs> sure sure I had, I had an older brother and he liked the punk rock and he had a misfits tape so i I knew about them i knew about a lot of bands that i shouldn't have known about at an age <laughs> when you know you just shouldn't be listening like nine-year-olds maybe shouldn't listen to the buzzcocks but here we are doing it and it's okay I, it, it could be a lot worse it yeah. could be worse you, you i could listen to gg allen anyway. i could i could uh a friend of the show christopher sabella first concert he ever went to was gg allen <laughs> <laughs> which is the most wow okay there you yeah go. Uh, i also saw gg allen once uh and left after two songs because i was traumatized Chris's, I believe Chris's Gigi Allen, I don't want to step on his story, but I believe his Gigi Allen story was that Gigi Allen got in a fight with a audience member two songs in and they fell down a flight of stairs and the show ended. <laughs> so his experience is maybe better, but we did bond early on in our friendship over the shared experience of being children at Gigi Allen shows and being like... This is the scariest thing that's ever happened. (laughs) I think that's the first time, you know, in your life, you get a real clear picture of mortality. Yeah. Yeah. Your first experience with Gigi Allen is your first brush with death. (laughs) Um, Yeah. No, I think that's fair. Um, So, Jed. Yes, Matthew. We're going to. Jesus Christ. Um, We start with the same question for everybody. It's very broad. You can you can go as deep or as shallow as you want. But. Um, let's do it. Uh, why comics? Why do you make the comic books? What is it about comics you like? I mean, it's kind of one of those things that I like. I never thought I would make comic books for a living. Like, you know, I always hoped I would, but I never really thought I would. It's the same thing as like all the you know the kids I went to high school with, thinking they're going to be you know, professional hockey players, because everyone wants to do the thing that they love. Um, though very few of us get the opportunity to do that. So, you know, I always kind of like dabbled in making comics and stuff. Uh, you know, I read comics growing up. Uh, then when, you know, when I was in university, I was like, oh, I'm going to make my own comics. You know, I was, was drawing badly and slowly um, and, you know, kind of hooked up with people on the Internet. Uh, you know, back on message boards were still a viable kind of social media prototype. Sure. And uh, it was just it was like it's, it was really exciting because the thing is with comics is you, anybody can make them 
Mm-hmm. Like I was making my own comics. They're terrible. Um, and, you know, it, it became very readily apparent. I'm like, it's taking me five hours to draw, not a panel, but this person in this panel. I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is not a viable career choice for me. Uh, but, you know, I'd be reading like Paul Pope talking about like how he just like sit up all night and draw comics and like do the whole thing by himself. I'm like, that's incredible. Like that's, yeah. that's something if you like. And then five hours later, I've got like half a dude in the panel. I'm just like, well, that's probably not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but like at that point in time, and you know, I'm thinking between 2000 to like 2001 on, I knew a lot of people on the internet who were just making comics mm-hmm. and you could put them out there and people would see them and no one could stop you. And it was just, it was incredible because when I was a kid growing up, I thought to make comics, you had to live in New York and like, right. um, and I'm, I'm sure it's helped you a great deal, Matthew. Yeah, but, right. uh, <laughs> but like, you know, it's, it's not something that people in maritime Canada did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, as you know, as I got older and saw that, you know, well, actually it is like anybody can do this. And that's, was, was hugely freeing for me. Yeah. Because there's just something about comics that really, love in that it's you know i'm obviously a writer and for a while there i was just like well you know what about comics this isn't working out i'm just, i'll just try to like write prose turns out even fewer people are interested in that <laughs> uh, yeah. but there's that, that marriage of you know visual vocabulary with uh you know prose writing and you know, dialogue or just like description and storytelling i think it's just a really special and exciting art form that you can do a lot of really interesting stuff with um, you know, everything from, you know, your mainstream superhero stuff to like wildly experimental, um, some might say tedious, uh, work that, you know, it, it's, it's just such a broad field. There's so much to it that it's just, you kind of never get bored with it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like, uh, I also had when I was like, I loved comics my whole life and, and never really thought about writing them and hit a point where I wanted to write prose and, I was like, maybe I'll write prose. And I, f- I, I realize now looking back that like the thing I miss about it was the sort of community, like the, yeah. the uh, not even like the broader comics community. Obviously there's like a writer community in every field, but like working with an artist, working with a letterer, working with a team, yeah. like I, I didn't know how much I craved that when I was trying mm. to write prose, but I'm like, Oh yeah, this is such a natural fit for me. Like having an artist to bounce ideas off with, like having yeah. someone to keep me excited about my own stuff. Like I, I eventually get sick of everything I do, <laughs> but like when I see someone draw it, I'm like, no, this actually is cool. I shouldn't hate it as much as I do. Um, yeah. And that's, and that's, I think that's a really good point where, um, you know, outside of the the maniacs who can do it all themselves, like you know your your James Stokos or, yeah. or Paul Pope, Paul's Pope or what have you, um, I think it's really exciting doing work that is by necessity collaborative. Yeah, and I was talking off mic about uh, you know CFE and I working on Avengers and coming up with a whole bunch of new weird guys, uh, bad guys for the Avengers to fight. And it was just a really exciting process because like I came up with a bunch of names and like powers and stuff for these characters and sent them off to CF, but with only kind of pretty bare bones descriptors mm-hmm. because ultimately I'm an artist. And yeah. for me to tell an artist like, this is exactly what I, I need this to look like for a character is kind of stupid because they're going to come up with something much more interesting than uh, what I did. And that was the case like this, as these characters came together, this, uh, you know, villain team, it was really cool to see just these like wildly different interpretations from what uh, 
had been in my mind. And in every case, they were they're so much cooler, so much more interesting. Yeah, because you know this is this is what this is what an artist is good at. Like, yeah. This is their job. We had also talked a little bit before the show about how you had a whole career you like grew up you were a teacher you did yeah. all, you like it you and uh and like were you still pretty into comics at that point were you still wrapped up in reading them and and like had a desire to be a part of them once you were there oh yeah i mean like i've i've always loved comics and mm-hmm. you know i always wanted to make them it's just I, I hit a point in my 20s where i was like well i don't think this is going to happen for me right. and you know i was I was like, well, I'll go back to school. I'll get my teaching to, teaching degree, um, and I'll, I'll get a real job. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, again, like the odds of becoming a professional comic book writer are pretty pretty slim in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. You know, like to make enough money to make a living off of. And you know, I've been on podcasts. You know, especially for for kids, supposed to be like, so what, what's your advice for aspiring comic book mm-hmm. writers? I'm like, well, have a real job, because <laughs> like honestly, man, this. I have no guarantee this is going to work out for you. Like I can't, I can't believe it worked out for me. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to pay your rent. You gotta be able to like live a life. Yeah. Um, but before you had quit the day job, did any, cause you had, you taught like junior high, right? Did any yeah. of the kids ever find out that you were writing comics? Were any of them aware of that? Yeah, no, they knew it uh, in part because I love to talk about myself, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's, it's something I think that's, at least tangentially interesting to kids. Like, you know, not my kid, none of my kids read comic books. They'd be like, Oh, sure, you, sure, you, sure. you work for Marvel. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, so what happens in the movies? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Why are they going to tell me? I'm just a dipshit in Halifax. The, do they mean what happens in the movies that are already out? Like they have no, like, like, <laughs> they want spoilers. Well, no, that was before, um, uh, what? Avengers Endgame came out. They're all like, well, what happens in Avengers Endgame? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't see Infinity War. Like, <laughs> And they'd be like, they're like, oh, you know, Tony Stark dies in Infinity War. I'm like, or Endgame. I'm like, I don't, okay, sure, whatever. You, you don't understand what my focus is here. <laughs> the, uh, the, that reminds me of the, I feel like we talked about it on, on an early episode of this podcast, but we like the weird disconnect between knowing, between being so close to the movie stuff, mm-hmm. but also so far from it. Yeah. When me and, when me and Kelly and Ed, uh, Kelly Thompson, Ed Brisson were making Uncanny X-Men. They had Kelly and Ed flying to New York for a summit to like a mini summit to figure out what we were going to do on Uncanny. And Ed came in the night before and it was the premiere of Endgame. And they, oh, yeah. and we went to the premiere, but Kelly didn't. Kelly came in the morning of. And she was like, don't tell me what happens in the movie. I don't want to know. And then in the summit, she kept pitching things that were like tangentially close to the movie. <laughs> and so we had to keep being like, no, let's not do that. And she'd be like, what? That's a good idea. And we we're like, you yeah, don't like, want to know why we're saying don't do this. But like, you could say it's a billion dollar idea. It's a, it's a, billion, yeah. it's it's a, a two huge, billion dollar. Idea. Yeah, that's a huge idea that should be on the big screen, not in the pages. <laughs> but it was a it was a funny thing because it was like the first time that i've had that moment of like really butting up against like oh no we're in the same we're playing with the same toys but we're completely different yeah and it's such a weird experience and like it patched a sort of disconnect i have with the public when the public is like Mm -hmm. oh wants to talk to you about the movies or the shows and you're like i don't i don't know like yeah (laughs) i i went to a baseball game with daredevil he was super nice like (laughs) um the uh he watched me eat a lot of chicken he watched me and donny cates eat a lot of chicken fingers like (laughs) like i'm sure it was upsetting to him how many chicken fingers we had (laughs) 
Um, do either one of you have a desire to get back to prose at any point? Do you have more of that in you? I mean, I, I, I don't fully discount it. Um, yeah. You know, I, I, like I wrote a novel at one point. So I was like, you know, I, I'm going to sit down and write a novel. And this is, this is how I get, you know, this is how I, I, I start a career as a writer. And it was wildly unsuccessful. Like, no one wanted to print that fucking thing. <laughs> Do you, do you feel like now that you're, um, what's the term? A big shot. <laughs> I, I, I think gem is uh, now, now that you're uh, yeah, now that you're a gem. Do you feel like it, it, you haven't thought about like should I dust this off and try and find an agent and? Uh, not really. I mean, like it's I've, I finished writing that thing like 2014 or something. So like it's it's better part of a decade now. So I'd really have to go back and do some work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like really. At this point now, because I was like, do I really want to be trying to write like a young adult adventure series at this point in time? Because I, like I started working on it when I was in teacher school. Because I was like, well, I'm always I'm I'm surrounded by this like you know young adult literature. It doesn't seem that hard to do, so uh, huh. <laughs> I gave it a go. As it turns out, it is hard to get it published. Uh, sure, yeah. Some uh, just some like jerk off in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I, I I remember going to dinner with a bunch of comics pros and and someone who I won't name who I think is amazing and wonderful got up and was like all of us should be doing YA comics and it was a bunch of like superhero-y type yeah. creators and they were like we should all be doing YA comics look at what uh, Rain is doing with her books and how amazing her books are selling and how much money she's making and everyone's like that's a good point and I was like that's a fucking horrible point that's a terrible <laughs> and, point and they were like why and I was like do you think somewhere there's a room of YA writers being like we should all be writing like actiony comics look at what Robert Kirkman's doing with The Walking Dead that would be us and I was like you're pointing to the anomaly in the field and being like look how easy mm-hmm. this is and I was like well, Raina's super good at her job and yeah mm-hmm. but, but it's also like pointing at that and saying like there's an obvious vacuum here it's like no it's just there's a lot of people already doing this and one person is extremely successful at it yeah yeah it's not it, for like lack of material <laughs> out there yeah for sure it's uh no but i it is funny how much i mean you know i, I don't have kids or anything but i have uh nephews and and a niece and and they're all voracious readers and it is so tempting like i pick up their stuff and i'm like yeah. I could do this. <laughs> you're just like, <laughs> I'm like, they're just an audience that reads a book every single day. And yeah. you're just like, well, they're just a hungry audience. And they turn out like until children of men becomes real. Like there's always going to be more audience for this. Whereas like trying to sell things to dudes in their forties, like the, the, those dudes got other shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I think also like one of the big things I like about doing comic books and, you know, particularly superhero stuff for Marvel is that, I like this constant stream of working. Um, mm. I don't necessarily like sitting down and working on something for like a year and then like fine tuning it, blah, blah, blah. There's just that kind of like fire and forget, uh, like yeah. pulp entertainment thing that's with superhero comics. I really enjoy It's like, it's this, you know, here's an issue. I think it's great. Gets out there. People are like, I don't like this. I'm like, well, that sucks. But you know what? <laughs> there's, there's another one out in 30 days. Maybe yeah. You like that one. Right. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think, yeah, I think every part of that is, it's funny because I have I, in the past few years we've had a bunch of uh, I've had a bunch of friends and friends of yours too and you know people we know who have like been tapped to do TV and film stuff and yeah. obviously like to some degree comics has a real like little brother con you know uh, complex about TV film stuff where it's just like oh you want to graduate to that and across the board every comics writer I know has found it 
pretty fucking frustrating to be like yeah there's there's 20 sets of revisions there's 40 people with eyes on the thing and you're three years away from finding out if it goes or if anyone cares and like it's going to be so far from your vision at that point yeah. and people are just like and i was like yeah i could i could see myself being a tv film writer for sure I could never see myself not being a comics writer because I need that sort of quick gratification yeah, of, exactly. of yeah. making things and seeing them come out and having people interact with them. Yeah. Cause like I, I wrote yeah. one issue or not issue, fuck one episode of Ninja Turtles. Um, mm. oh, really? Yeah. It was the, not the last one, but the one before the CGI one. Uh-huh. Right. 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 Um, it, it ended up being the last episode they ever aired. Uh, so I, oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if that was the iceberg that sunk that particular Titanic. But, uh, <laughs> you broke the Ninja Turtles. Congrats. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Wow. They, you know, they were, they were the never heard from again. <laughs> yeah. It's the same with comics. So it's like, oh, you didn't like the series Ninja Turtles? Well, there's another one coming next year. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's essentially it's both it's, it's writing scripts but there's just so many different so many other considerations yeah. and like i don't think i saw that episode till like a year or two later yeah and uh but again like you know comics i send out a script i'm looking at art the next week yeah and that's that's really exciting like you know that's people like oh you know the the grind must be really difficult you know keeping up with it but it's also really exciting because you're always doing something and you're always yeah. getting interesting stuff mm-hmm. back and of course, it's easy for me to say being at like the, the like the you know the beginning of that process where, once the script goes out, that's where things start to to happen and start seeing stuff right. come together. Um, the Ninja Turtles thing is interesting. Uh, I feel like we as comic creators often don't think of like marvel dc kind of work as licenses even though they really are like they they just own the license so you're you always sort of feel like you're talking to the people like you're on the same team but it is really license work but you also do the magic the gathering stuff Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah. well i know that it just wrapped and and you had uh rich come on and and rich duick who's a great writer come on and help you towards the back half but you were doing that for a while that's something that always fascinated me I'm not, I never played Magic Gathering. I don't, whatever. Were you a Magic guy? Did you play the game? Yeah, I mean, I loved, I mean, you can see my card box there in the background there on top of my. <laughs> oh, look at that. That's a nice card box. Yeah, yeah I think it's, 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 a, it's a cigar humidor, apparently. Um, <laughs> but as I, I used to play it a lot when I was in high school. And then I dropped out around like 2001 when I went to university. And I was like, wow, I should probably uh, reinvent myself so people will like me. Sure. <laughs> well, it didn't work but uh, at least i saved money on uh, cardboard mm-hmm. but um yeah so like I, you know, I had a lot of affection for that game and like the the world and also at that point in time all my marvel books were shut down because covid sure and so when mm-hmm. uh, amanda from boom emailed me she's like and you know, she went a bit of very candidly she's like we're doing this uh magic book and i read uh some of the short stories on your website and i think they're great i think it'd be a great fit i'm like you read the stories no one else has, so uh, you know, you've, you've found the way to my heart here. Um, so yeah, like it was, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun, but it was also quite funny because I was like, "Well, I've been out of this game for like twenty years. Yeah, um, I don't, you know, the story can't have progressed that far. You know, like I, I come from superhero comics. I'm used to like a, a Byzantine, you know, continuity history. Sure. Uh, right. Turns out there's a lot of story in twenty years. <laughs> but like sifting through these fan wikis and like all these names. Uh, you know, I don't recognize anything, and so uh, I had to 
to talk a lot to uh, a buddy of mine from high school who uh, still kind of kept his hand in. So I was like, you know, here's 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 what I'm thinking for the series. He's like, yeah, that was done like five years ago in a different like, you know, dipshit return set or whatever. I'm like, shit. Um, <laughs> dipshit returns. Club dipshit shit over you, don't, magic. you don't remember dipshit returns? That was a yeah. But yeah. so you know, it, it eventually got caught up, and uh, you know, our friend Tom was a huge help. But it was really interesting because I'd never worked on a licensed book before. Yeah. And uh, you know, outside of you know, yes, all superhero books are licensed, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Um, but having that extra stage. Uh, with the licensor was a really different experience because I generally, you know, you generally get a feel for when you're working with editors for what they like and what they don't like and like what they're going to give you uh, pushback on and what, you know, it's kind of stuff you can slide past and easily. Um, but throwing an entire corporate entity uh, in there as well yeah. uh, was a totally different experience, which, you know, it's, you know, working with Wizards was great. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there, you know, there were times when, uh, I was pulling my hair out o- over it, and I'm sure they were doing the same. Uh, they're like, yeah. what, is, what, "What is he doing to these characters? What, what do you think, <laughs> who the hell does he think he is?" Um, because yeah, you know, I, ultimately, they're there to protect the brand and to you know protect sure. the value of the, that IP. It, it's something I think about a lot because, like, so many people who make superhero comics, like, it's in their blood, like, it's in yeah. their DNA, and they it's just like an overwhelming percentage of people who make this stuff like grew up on it. And I, I think about when people who didn't come in and make superhero comics, like in one way, I'm like, well, it's really liberating, but also like, I can't quite wrap my head around how yeah. daunting that is. And then I think about like people on stuff like magic where I'm like, I wouldn't know like where to begin and how, how to fucking do it at all, because it's just right. yeah. so deep to get into. But I guess if you played. That- I mean, I think, I think it's one of those things you have to have that affection for like the, the IP or the franchise. Cause the first time Boom got me, they're like, "Hey, have you you're interested in um, you know doing some Power Rangers stuff?" I'm like, "I've never seen or yeah. read anything related to the Power Rangers." Like, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't yeah. watch TV when I was a kid, so like that was that was right out. And yeah. uh, I, I but, had I had that conversation with Boom too, where I was like, "I don't know, like <laughs> yeah. I know what they are. It's not my thing." And they were yeah. like, "Oh, no, it's cool." And I was like, "I'm sure it is. Find someone who loves it." I'm sorry, guys. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Like, it, it would do me you know we'd be doing both of us a disservice to, for me to take on something i have no interest not no no interest but certainly no affection and background in mm-hmm. because when you could get someone i mean you, you look at like you know sophie campbell and ninja turtles who you know so we've always been yeah always been a huge ninja turtles booster you know going way back and so to see someone with that love uh well that with that love and that command yeah. of the, uh, the, the ninja turtles history i think is such a great fit Sure. Uh, as opposed to like some like you know you or I stepping into Power Rangers, I'm like, so they're all different colors. Is that it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I, something like magic is super interesting to me because there are universes that are like built on like stories, like a superhero comics thing mm-hmm. is like it's all stories being told all the time. Yeah. But stuff like magic to me like strikes me more as like, well, it's a world built on like lore, like like sure. backstories and stuff. And so and I've always been so that. curious. Right. It's like I've always been so curious, like what how if you're writing a thing called magic you know like it, it's like an overarching banner of the whole thing how do you like parse all of that down and find what your story is so that people who like all these different parts of a universe like that can come to it and be like oh yeah this is the story of that universe yeah. you know what i mean well i mean part of it too is that uh wizards was really you know making this kind of larger branding push to expand out of just cards into you know various multimedia enterprises so mm. they were kind of primed for it 
you know, the magic of, you know, my day as, as in like the late 1990s is wildly different from like the magic currently where it, which is much more character focused and you have characters um, following different storylines and different arcs through these, you know, product release sets. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's much more built for the kind of comic book storytelling that we were used to now than it would have been um, back in my day. Cause I mean, there's, they're always putting out magic comics in the nineties. None of them were very successful because they just didn't have that kind of narrative focus. Um, mm -hmm. not, not that I'm saying our comic was super successful. I mean, it sold a bunch. It was also incredibly badly reviewed. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, like people knew what to expect. They knew the characters they were going to see. And they sure. knew generally the kind of things they were going to get up to. Hmm. Um, I have a question sure. just because you mentioned it. And it's something that uh, I feel like comics pros talk about a lot but don't talk about in public a lot. And you mentioned it, <laughs> which is reviews. Sure. Um, do you read your reviews? Do you care? Um, I feel like I read reviews less than I used to. Mm -hmm. um, in a large part is I really don't like reading a bad review. Uh, it sure. hurts my feelings. Sure. Um, but I mean, I, I get so few of them, so it's not really <laughs> that big um, You know, I mean. Must be nice. Like, uh, <laughs> Trust me, it is. No, but like ultimately I don't really go into a review saying, okay, well, I'm going to learn what I messed up and how I'm going to improve mm -hmm. because it's, it's just, I just feel like I don't really get that. Sure. Um, for me going to read a review is generally just, you know, cheap heat where I'm like, okay, this is going to make me feel better because judging by this headline, whoever this is really like this thing that I wrote. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think reviews and again, too, this is coming in from the Marvel side. If I was doing uh, like an indie book, and I, I would really be looking for good reviews to get them out there to show people and say, sure. hey, look, this is, you know, this is a good book. This is worth your time. It's worth your money. Um, generally, I'm not really that involved in marketing things for Marvel sure. because they are a huge corporation. And, you know, like I said, I'm a guy who lives in Maritime Canada. Um, but, yeah, like it's, it's – with comic reviews, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Um, it, I'll, I'll never be the guy who goes to, like, call someone out for a bad review because uh – -huh. Like, we'll talk, talk about a bad look. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, it's always fascinating to me because I feel like I have, a, you know, one of my one of my oldest friends in comics, who is obviously a very good friend of yours, Mr. Ed Brisson. Mm -hmm. um, we came out together, and I, I remember having this conversation with him once about, like, reviews and stuff. And he was like, I can't read bad reviews. Like, they make me feel like shit. Yeah. And I was like, I, and this is a weird hang up of me, I don't mind bad reviews, I freak out reading good reviews. They make me feel really weird. And <laughs> right. I'm like, yeah. And so I was like, I always read bad reviews and I'm like, well, what didn't people like and sort of navigate them? And I don't think it influences the work, but I'm always like, what did, what were people looking for? What were they expecting? And I find that really enlightening and a good review. I'm like, I don't learn anything from that. I feel like it's just awkward. It's just like someone yeah. coming up and like saying things to me and making me feel uncomfortable for a long time and i was like i can't read good reviews like i don't know what they say and it's you know i'm it's like you said like i don't do a lot of like boosting my big two reviews but like on yeah. any books i do sort of do that and every once in a while i'll i'll like retweet or post a review that's like a nice review and then one of my collaborators or someone will be like they kind of were awful to like this part of your book or said this thing that's really messed up or yeah. this thing that's wrong 
And I'm like, oh, I couldn't read it. I just saw that it was like, nice. <laughs> I didn't actually read it because yeah. it was flattering and it made me feel weird. Um, so I always and have like, yeah. And I think an important thing to point out too is like, even if I'm sharing a good review out there, um, you know, I'll share a review that says, that is overall positive that says like, you know, McKay kind of fucked this up. We're not going to share anything that ever like, you know, shits my collaborators. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I really don't like that. Yeah, no, I always feel that too. I, I feel like, if I catch it, because <laughs> I, <read, laughs> I read the review, yeah, I, I'm always. It's such a funny thing in comics because I think social media and stuff. There's so much like <clears throat> a lot of the fans, just the way they are, and the readers. Sure. Like they'll do a lot of like, this is so much better than this, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I appreciate the sentiment, and I know you're just being honest and thinking, talking about how you felt about the work. Sure. But like, I can't interact with this. Like, I no, can't. I can't sit here and say like. You know, it, I feel someone the other day was like, this is the best run on this book in 10 years. And I was like, the people on the book before me are my friends. Like, yeah, I don't want to say that. And it's or, it's such or, a weird. Or people are like, oh, I, I hope you'll take over X book from someone oh, right. because yeah. this person sucks. I'm like, what the fuck do you expect me to do with this? I, yeah. I like this person. Yeah. I'm like, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> it's a. I'm always I'm always amused by sort of the fan the fan casting also of like when people are like I hope you do this and you're like why why would I be good at that I'm almost like that's such a like sometimes you're like every once in a while people are like oh yeah I remember early on in my Marvel career people like a bunch of people were like I hope you write Nova and I was like oh I fucking love Nova like yeah. I would love to write Nova like I don't like the cosmic stuff very much I don't get it cosmic is like didn't you I, write the last annihilation I did I did uh <laughs> no I wrote annihilation oh right sorry George. last annihilation was Al uh, Al's thing yeah 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 Al's after uh I thought my annihilation was gonna be the last one <laughs> um, <laughs> final annihilation the uh which is I'm sure what the uh writers of the other annihilation said when i started writing it or they didn't care at all uh yeah no i did but i wanted to make a nova focus because i was like yeah annihilation stuff i'll write but i never really thought about writing nova even though i love the character and always loved the character and was like yeah there's a fun take on nova out there and it was a bunch of fans being like you should write nova but i was like shit i should write nova and that was really good but 95 percent of the time people are like you should write this thing and i'm like i don't like that thing i don't know what it is and i would not be good at that but thanks for your vote of confidence and it's it's just interesting always to see how people see you whether that be reviewers or fans yeah um, i mean part. it's um because i think it just got announced that chips daredevil's ending so people are like oh you should write yeah. daredevil i'm like I already write one book about a depressed guy with complex religious issues and goes out and beats people up at night. Like, just what, what, what can I possibly bring to Daredevil that I'm not already doing a Moon Knight? Sure. I mean, Chip writes Daredevil and Batman, so. That's true. Yeah, he, he yeah I, I think Batman's an atheist, though, so I think that's the... Oh, yeah, uh, you got it. You got that's it. That's awesome. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of part one of our discussion with Jed McKay. Make sure to check out Avengers and everything else Jed is working on by giving him a follow on Twitter at Jed McKay. To get the latest episodes of this podcast, as well as news, giveaways, and even comics delivered straight to your inbox, go to ashcanpress.com and sign up for the newsletter. We'll be back next week for part two of our discussion. And in the meantime, you can write to us at ideasdontbleedpod at gmail.com or tweet to Matthew Rosenberg at ashcanpress on Twitter, me at Tales to Astonish, or Griffin at Griff Sheridan. We'll include some of your correspondence on the show, and we'd love to hear what you have to say. And big thanks to Summer People for our theme song, Where's the Poison? Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.